0: Okay, guys, so welcome to the uh, the Sunday uh, Sangha, uh, this one we normally do for people who are living in the UK um, because of the timing. Uh, so today we're going to talk about uh, the concept of generosity. Generosity is uh, a major function and feature of the teaching of the Buddha. And yet we don't put a lot of emphasis on it. And so I thought that today would be would um, investigate a little of that. Now, the first thing is, is that the word uh, that is used in Nepali is the word dana. And that it actually has the same uh, Indonesian, or excuse me, Indo-European language as uh, the word donation. And so when we hear the word Donna, we automatically think of the word donation. And yet the word donation in in the West has gotten really complicated, uh, almost in the sense of being obligatory. That in fact, I've even seen uh, signs uh, at events saying, donation, $5. Well, that's really stretching the concept of the word donation. But this is the idea that we have in the West is is that um, we have to pay for things and that we better get what we pay for and yet, the entire capitalist society is built around bait and switch. They sell you one thing and give you another, or they'll sell you one thing and then never deliver it. This is the way that big business gets bigger, is because they have really nothing to offer, except your your greed does all the work for them. Ah, uh, and so. Even when we think of supporting an, an organization or a church or whatever, uh, we think of it as. Um, an obligation. That we have to put some money into the offering plate That it's really not an offering. It's kind of a requirement. And so in Western Buddhism, we bring that whole mentality set with us coming into Buddhism and kind of miss the point about what the word Donna actually means. And basically we can go away from the word donation and start into the word uh, in English language of the word uh, generosity. Now generosity is something that we have among friends. And so we want to actually practice generosity almost as if it were a skill to be developed um you have probably heard um oh hello anna good to see you you have probably heard the phrase it is more blessed to give than to receive has anybody heard that that phrase? do you know what it means When you were kids and first heard it, did you believe it? I mean, come on, folks. Every every kid knows it's better to get than to have to cough up. And that whole point is is that that receiving means that we're already putting ourselves in the position of being a victim. We need something. We need to receive something. We're not good enough. We need a gift to make us feel better. And on the other side, then it's more blessed to give if the heart is right. And here's where the trick comes in, because we can give begrudgingly, we can give because it's our duty and our honor, and we got to do it save face and whatnot. Or with the right attitude which is actually the attitude of feeling wealthy the feeling of having quite enough the feeling of wanting to share that you see something that needs to be done and so you're willing to put out for that and when you do so you get a really really good warm feeling inside you guys know exactly what i'm talking about it feels good to be generous daniel you know what i'm talking about because that just happened a couple of days ago right and you feel good about giving something to someone who who needs it uh, you mean from uh, Situ? yes exactly oh uh, yeah yeah it yeah. feels good <laughs> yes it feels good this is the whole quality then is, is that it is also in the process of developing friendship is that this is what real generosity is based upon. And in that regard, there are several points to be made about it. And one of them is is that it's better to give a gift that is wanted and appreciated than it is to give a gift out of duty or obligation. So the uh, example that I have, first off, is Granny Uh, gives little Johnny socks for Christmas. And he don't like that too much. And so he gets up and he walks out of the room and mom says, aren't you going to thank granny for the socks? And so he is obligated to thank her. And in that regard, he did not feel any gratitude at all. If granny had been a really, really wise old granny, she would have gone to mom to find out what it is that Johnny wants, that nobody's willing to get him for some reason or another, and then go off and get that, get him what he really wants. And then granny will have a good friend in her grandson. And so in one kind of generosity, we actually cut and create distance. And in another way, we actually bond together and that bonding has to do with both the side of the generosity and the gratitude and when those two things work together that's the union and that we can do that on many many different levels now one level that is both so heavily established in the west is about money but that's not the best kind of generosity Friendship and being friends with people, that's the real generosity that we have because everybody wants friends. And so having more friends is better than having fewer friends. We don't like it when we lose a friend for whatever reason. He caught us. (laughs) We don't like losing a friend that way. (laughs) And so uh, we can practice the friendship. In regard of Smiling Our attitude That in fact, many people have asked about the Dhamma In the sense of well, how do I spread the Dhamma to ordinary people when when we're out there And the answer to that is much of our communication is done nonverbally, and it would be good to start paying attention to that so that we know how we're communicating with people so that they can gain the benefit of the friendship that's what we really want to practice with the folks we don't have to go teach them the dhamma no What we're really looking for is is to be friends with them. That it actually will kind of rub off. But that's what the noble Sangha is really all about, is, is that there is enough nobles within that Sangha so that they kind of set the noble standard and everybody kind of lives up to it. Because they're kind of grateful to be around people who have high-quality lifestyles. But in fact, I would go so far as to say that over many, many centuries and generations, most of those who actually understood the teachings of the Buddha to the point of becoming noble probably did not practice what we know of as a sitting meditation. And yet in the Western mindset, we have this idea of all practices is that I've got to go and sit down in a certain posture and, and, and do certain things that we learned from Asia. Where in fact, really what the Buddha was teaching is, is that let's start having a generous attitude. Let's start having thoughts of generosity. Let's start having thoughts of, of gratitude and get into this generosity and gratitude thought process. Because it's quite marvelous to recognize that we live in a paradise and we can be grateful for that.
1: Wow,
0: this is really nice. And so living our life like that, that's what we can also share with others is this quality of generosity, generosity of the spirit. That by living the life of a noble, that's the same as living the life of a champion, someone who is a winner in their life. And by being around people like that, it rubs off. It rubs off in a very subtle way. And so the Dhamma actually can be spread with very little said. You've heard of it in the sense of monkey see, monkey do. Well, if the monkey is doing really nobly and the younger monkey sees that, he'll begin to act nobly also. And so that's the way of looking at generosity, that our generosity is is that we're kind of going to be on our most noble best behavior because we're watching what we're doing. That's my gift to the world is being on top of it (laughs) and so think of it in the sense that you've got enough everything is plenty so that you can have that that generous attitude we've really really got a lot and so developing that attitude within uh the sangha is really the best thing for us, because that's what really the Sangha is all about. To become noble means to become generous with one another so that we can support each other, so that we can help each other along our spiritual path. And in fact, that's what I, I see as my duty. But there's a whole lot of people coming along that is going to need various kinds. And so uh, just recently, for instance, Daniel, And I was just talking about the fact that we've got a young monk, a Westerner, who got himself into trouble because he didn't understand Thai society. He hadn't been a monk long enough. And whatever the situation was, is that he didn't actually get under the wing of his Upajaya. He didn't quite understand the necessity of the close, deep relationships. And not only that, but when the visa stuff came along, instead of going and getting the kind of help that he needed from his community, he hooked it on his own and screwed it up, gosh, three times in a row. And so the advice that I gave him finally was, is that first off, you've got to go find a Thai monk there at Wat Mahatat that speaks English and make friends with him quickly. And also go to the Achan and really start rubbing up against him very closely, which is exactly what I had told uh, Kim Yusitu to do with Achan Po and he just didn't understand that we have to actually connect and make these close relationships with these elderly monks. Well, as you can see, finally, Hema C2 has done that. Didn't take him very long. I didn't think it would. But in fact, I recommended that the right thing to do is to just go to chanting. Oh, I don't want to chant. Never mind, you, you don't want to chant. That's what the young monks do. And so the younger monks are the ones who were more like, because it's a huge monastery. And so uh, the one big dhamma hall is enough for all of the chanters, because a lot of the monks don't chant, but those who do kind of join a higher quality clique, so to speak. And so that's what happened was, is that he went and he made friends with those other monks who were chanters and they then went to the upajaya and got all of the visa stuff straightened out the upajaya didn't know what he was you know he just wasn't doing it well and uh in Thailand, we can say that that has the quality of agency that they they are in each other's pockets in each other's business on all kinds of levels and in the west we think that we've got to do everything ourselves And so when he stopped being Western and started being Thai, much of the visa problems just disappeared. And this is the kind of thing that we can help with here in the West of those monks or those Westerners who are hoping to go sit under a tree in Asia or something like that. And they don't have a clue about how to do it. So a lot of terrorism, a lot of fears come up. We screw it up, have to leave Thailand because we thought we didn't get enough money and all of that kind of stuff. But all of that mentality has to do with I be my. I've got to do it by myself. I have to get my own money. I have to do it this way. And this is the idea that we all have because of the society that we were raised in. To where in Thailand, it's, it's not that kind of society it's a society of family connections that in fact when any young monk goes to the wat to ordain probably two-thirds of the people there are his uncles (laughs) and and so um it's already a a kind of family connection and most of the um type people that i have known within the sangha for various times and places especially in america was is that every monk wound up with a supporter. A Thai person who was in the community that would make sure that his monk got everything that he needed. It's actually in the suit to set up this way. Well, here in the West, we don't even understand it that way. That's why Eric is off on his own. Well, he's got BA, so he's got the US government is supporting him. Become a C2, he didn't have a clue about how to gain support. And so, uh, in a way, I'm I'm not taking a vote or anything like that, but just uh, putting out the proposal that it's monks like him that we as an organization can support, as well as new ones who were thinking about doing that kind of thing. And here we can introduce Kath, because kath has been talking about how much money does he have to grab up before he can take off. I just saw you post that, in fact.
1: <laughs> oh, you just read what I sent you today?
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. That was a long ago, I think. But uh, yeah, you, you were planning. You, you were counting your cash.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. How much do I need? And the answer to that is, is that over a long period of time, what you'll need is friends. Either that or like situations like what uh, Eric has. That in fact, Eric has already told me that he could probably support five Western monks. All they need to do is just come move in with him. I'm kind of letting his secret out of the bag, but he's got plenty of resources. But, uh, but the real problem is so much fear that's in the Western mind. Oh, how can I go... And change my lifestyle. Now there's several criteria. One of them is is that a guy who's got kids, he needs to make really special care that he's doing it right. But it's better either to do it before you have kids or after you can gain their adult permission that you're going to go. But most people are actually young enough and not so tied down and so Uh, everybody has that kind of idea of, wow, could I actually drop all of this Western culture and go take off and sit down under a tree and have a pleasant life? And the answer to that is, yeah, we've been doing it for 2,500 years. No matter what kind of culture it was, we can find a way to get out of it. (laughs) We can help each other with that. But that's what the Sangha is really all about, is help, mutually helping one another along the spiritual path that would eventually mean that um, housing would become involved. Well, guess what? We've already got plenty of housing, not just in Thailand, but there are more than 200 Western Watts, in the, uh, not just Western, just Thai Watts. I think altogether there's closer to about 500, including uh, Lao, Cambodia, uh Vietnam, every one of them has room for one of the guys here. All you have to do is figure out how to move in and then just move into the nearest what close to you, make a connection with the abbot and move right in, knowing that you could pro- if you've got a car, sure, keep your car. But you don't need to keep an apartment because you can sleep on the floor there at the what? Then you don't need so much of a job anymore. You can devote your life to the Dhamma, which is what every one of us wants to do. I mean, every time a student gets into the Dhamma, it really is like quicksand. It does suck him right down into it because it's the best quicksand in the world. (laughs) And um we become devoted to it then in fact that getting sucked right into it is exactly what the buddha was talking about is the stream enterer where the Dhamma now becomes the most important thing in my life and when that occurs we need some friends to support that so that we can go off and make the Dhamma everything and we can find that within the Western culture. Because even if you kind of wish that you could do that yourself, but somehow or another you've got kids or you're tied down to whatever, you would still be quite willing to help someone that was part of the community, somebody that you knew, someone who actually needs some help from time to time. And then we can outpour our generosity. And so this actually becomes back to the idea that this is kind of a grassroots situation where each person can experiment with their own generosity, gratitude cycle so that we can kind of polish it up, find out what it really means to be generous, to know that you actually have made a point, that you've done an impact. That you left the place better than it came, than than it was when you came, sort of idea. This is what Bhikkhu Buddhadasa means as the duty to the Dhamma. That in fact the du- we have duty to the Dhamma all along. Even if people don't ever hear about Buddhism, we still know that we have a duty to breathe. If you don't take this next breathe, you're gonna be dead really quick. So we do have these duties. And we and if we fulfill them wisely then we get great benefit. And if we uh, uh, perform our duties uh, in a mediocre way, then we get a mediocre benefit. And so these are our habits that lead to our destiny, and we can change that. And this gratitude idea is a major component to this, that you already feel wealthy. You see, when we want to receive, That's already a one downer. I'm a victim. I need something. But with the attitude of of being generous, the attitude of we've got plenty enough, everything is enough. I've got more than enough, easy to share, happy to give away. This is the mentality that we develop that leads to that happy existence that we can then share. Because, in fact, we don't even need to mention the word Buddha. All we need to do is to go around like Johnny Appleseed, growing a whole lot of little Buddhas. Through generosity of smiling, taking care of one another, being generous to the friends around you. Actually, this is the teaching of Jesus. Christianity kind of missed the point. They'd rather make him a a star than listen to his broadcast. But this is the, we we take care of one another. But in this sense, we're doing it most importantly, so that we can foster through generosity, those who want to go into the Dhamma. I could spend a couple of minutes talking about the fact that things are going to get really interesting in the next few years with AI and the loss of jobs and all kinds of turmoils and uh, uh, basic incomes and this, that, and the other, as well as uh, hardcore politics falling apart and other marvelous things happening, we're going to have a lot of people coming into Buddhism. By the millions, there's going to be people who are going to become interested in Buddhism. It's already overrun, in fact. What do I mean by that? That it's overrun means that there are fewer people who actually understand the teachings of the Buddha than there are students who want to understand the teachings of the Buddha. Therefore, the students are teaching the students. And this is what Western Buddhism has already come to. And what we can do is to pull it out of that mentality so that there can be well-educated teachers there that are not looking for uh, a meal ticket. They're looking for actually fulfilling their own duty to the Dhamma, knowing that we get great benefit out of of doing our duty to the Dhamma. That's part of the generosity, is with that generous heart. A lot of people would say this, that yes, we're really great, Grateful that uh, there are those who are out there who are actually teaching the Dhamma, so that we can hear it. There's a lot of people who are coming to it now, but what we don't have is an avenue for uh, that step up, um, that uh, step ladder, so to speak, to help people uh, to recognize that getting into a holy place, getting into a what is is not so hard to do. If you really want to change your lifestyle, let's do it. Then, <laughs> in fact, we've got several people already here in Thailand who have made that kind of choice that they want to make a new change. So anyway, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to, to listen to this idea of generosity. That in a way you can say that this is my generosity to you so that you can receive this with uh, the gratitude of, oh yeah, right, there is such great benefit in that, that, the, that it's the loser who wants to get, but it is the winner who wants to give, and therefore let us go find noble things to give to. So thank you guys. Does anybody have any questions? This is a good time to ask questions. Anybody got questions? No, huh? No meow-butts? Come on, guys, hit me.
2: Uh, ge- generosity is pretty. Uh, it's it's not really disagreeable, I think. <laughs> so, I guess in that sense, yeah, I agree with everything you say. And um, yeah, about Eric, so he's staying in the lodge and what uh, right now? Yes. Right? Uh huh. Yeah. So the the abbot
0: there is open to receiving more Westerners. Yes as well as uh, uh, Achan Siri uh, in Roy-et, as well as the Upajaya at Wat Mahathat in Bangkok. I mean, if you want to come to Thailand with the idea of ordaining, we've got the tools. Uh, Wat
2: Mahathat, I, I just looked it up and it's, so it's actually in Ayutthaya, is that right? Uh... uh Ayutthaya? Uh, no, uh,
0: not the town not the city of Ayutthaya. no Wat mahatat um is one of the five watts that is on the um uh the government ground around uh sanam Luang, uh uh the uh the emerald buddha ah uh, near the royal palace yes exactly very close to the royal palace and the royal palace grounds uh, i see it's a training monastery kind of across the road and down a ways is uh thomasat university which is the big law university and all the legal kinds of stuff is done at at, um thomasat and thomasat university students are really big into bhikkhu buddhadasa and so that's good uh, there's also Wat Po, which is the one that has the great big long reclining Buddha. It's the biggest in the world. Uh, they do massage and things like that. Uh, so that's a very interesting place. That uh, um, I, I think that in fact, if if I were there with uh, uh, Kamesita, I would feel like right honored that he's in a plum position. If he only recognized that i think that he's beginning to recognize that he's not there alone he's got some friends if you find him
2: yeah 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 the only thing is it's like right in the middle of the city so isn't it like really noisy there and no. you don't really
0: no yeah. it's not no for one thing it's got that big huge uh parade ground that's got like several soccer field size this is also the place where they do the kite contest it's a yeah. tight tradition uh, that kind of stuff so yeah there's a there's also uh the major highway that's close by uh, also has a lot of trees and a lot of buildings there in fact the university is the one that gets most of the noise <laughs> oh, it is noisy but what my is is already fairly shielded all right it's one of the largest uh watts in thailand I, I would yeah. I would maybe let us say a thousand monks that may be a little overboard.
2: <laughs> At one thousand it would be a lot.
0: Yes. Uh, so uh, this this idea of becoming a monk or wanting to support young men who want to become a monk is actually, Uh, one of the predominant ideas for the uh, Open Sangha Foundation. Uh, But the other uh, possibilities would be those teachers who have already established themselves in in Western tradition, including charging money, is to get them also associated with the watts, so that we can get them out of the money ideas into the idea of uh, uh, turning Buddhism Back out of the business model, into the um, uh, the, Do- the Donna generosity model. That, uh, in in fact, you could say it this way: you could just imagine that if you went to a retreat that you had to pay for. Then you expect the retreat to do something, but if the retreat is absolutely free, they give you the food, and there, and there it is, and do as you please, we, give a, we get a feeling of, gen, of gratitude for that. Wow, this is really great. It's sort of like a, 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 new, a buffet. Have you ever been <laughs> to a big hotel that had these big, grand buffets? And there was a sign that says, just for you, it's free. Eat all you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that, that kind of feeling of, of being our, uh, everything is okay. We've got more food than we need. Everything is just fine. And then with that attitude, we can help one another to um, actually go d- deeper into the Dhamma. And that is the kind of feeling, by the way, that those guys who are already out there trying to, I mean, the money model is there. There are several teachers who have hundreds and hundreds of students who have graduated and they've got a certificate saying, I am a, uh, a meditation teacher, right? Some of them paying, what, five, $7,000 for those certificates. But then what are they gonna do? That piece of paper in what is going to get you what? But with this model, you don't have to pay anything. You just move in with some friends. They start teaching you to teach meditation. You start having once a week. I mean, the, the monks that I know in in America really, really wanted someone who spoke enough English to start doing meditation classes once a week. They, They lived and died for having that kind of thing. And so then, that would lead to weekend retreats. And all we have to do is go make some friends. And then we don't need the certificate, I am a Dhamma teacher, because you've got an elderly Thai monk who is standing there pushing you into the teaching as if he uh, trusts you. Why can't you trust yourself? And in fact, that was pretty scary for me the first time when Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa actually is <laughs> kind of like he threw me into the deep end. He started a, uh, a Dhamma talk and, as, and uh, he wanted me to do the translations. And I did a bit. And then when I came back to him with the next he says, you take it from here. And there was a huge number of people. There were Thai monks, there was Achan Po, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, a lot of Westerners. I mean, I was really on the spot. So that may happen to one of you guys, too. It's a good thing, though, in the sense that Bhikkhu Buddhadasa knew I could handle it. So I guess I can. And so I got that confidence from him. So this is how actually the Thai monks work, is that in fact, you could say that the language is not going to be a problem. Because most of the best Dhamma teachings is done nonverbally, especially if you get your eyes open and looking at what's going on. A lot of the teachings are done nonverbally. We couldn't do a lot of that on Skype. I'd like to. <laughs> I'd like to walk around and sneak up behind each one of you in your bedroom, but you can't do it. <laughs> so Getting around to nobles is really is what's going to put Western Buddhism in the kind of shape so that it can actually do the job that it needs to do to take care of humanity when humanity is going to really need it. Because humanity is going to need the teachings of the Buddha. Let's be ready for that kind of massive input. By the millions, people are going to be interested in the Dhamma, especially when they find right away from others that it actually works. That we can feel better. We can make friends. We don't have to compete with others. We don't have to go around afraid and full of fear, armed and dangerous. All we have to do is change our attitude, change our way of thinking. From that, I need to, oh, I've got enough. Here, let me help you. That's only an attitude change. And so I invite each one of you to think about it like that. That it's an attitude change and, that, and there's nothing more than that. When you feel like you don't have enough, you don't. And when you feel like you've got plenty, then you do. And so it's easy to give away things when you've got plenty of it. And so let's start then maybe with joy. If you've got plenty of joy, then it's easy to give it away, right? Easy to give joy away. All we have to do is crank up our little joy machine, get some joy juice going. Remember that we can be joyous, that we can be happy. And then we can spread that. the others basically what that means is we have to become friends on the inside with the inside when we're friends on the inside when we're joyous and generous and nurturing and grateful on the inside then it's kind of easy to do it on the outside without having that that joy that um uh friendship that gratitude and generosity circle going within one's own mind then it's impossible to go out into the society where everybody is unhappy and uptight and greedy and wants this and they really don't see what's going on we can't help them much because (laughs) we're exactly the same way but when we decide oh no i am going to have a a noble mind i'm going to have the mind of generosity i'm going to have the mind of of uh Uh, thankfulness. Then we can share that. And that's what we need. We need friendship in this world. There's already plenty of money. Gosh, there's so much money. They've got intricate ways that the banks are just creating more and more and more of the stuff and nobody's happy about it. Even the guys who get the most of it, they're not happy. They just think that they can get more then they'll be happy. And really, what those guys need is a friend. Someone who can point them out in the right direction, help them to see that they can be happy without the money. Maybe they can go give us a couple of hundred bazillion dollars or something (laughs) so that we can support a whole bunch of monks out there. (laughs) Daniel, you got your hand raised. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, so, uh, as a testimony to this, I noticed that uh, I have a a couple of friends back home that I used to talk about uh, the Dhamma with, but it never really interested them, Um, I guess because I tried too hard. And then I just came back from Thailand a couple of days ago and I had been on retreat for almost a month and I was in a really, really good mood. And then... (laughs) And then I wasn't even trying to convince them, but now they, they are like, oh, I, I want to try this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's so that's really nice. And I also had a question. Yes, go ahead. That, um, yeah, so I have, uh, for example, one friend, and he is really interested in it, but he also feels the need that, that he needs to save the world. <laughs> like uh, politically uh so he feels like yeah uh, that meditation is like egoistical and that it's not gonna help the world and he needs to save it
0: first <laughs> so uh, I, but that yeah, was I mean, what that was what we were taught and it is hard yeah. to see past that um uh, that in fact uh, it's it's questioned in many many subtle different ways. One of them is a guy says, "Well, if I practice what you're talking about, I'd never get out of bed." And my answer to that is, "You gonna know, shit on yourself?" <laughs> 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 but you can see where the mind goes with that it is, and what we're not saying is, um, "Don't do anything." But rather don't do anything for a little while, stop, look, see what's for the moment, just (laughs) this moment right now, take a really close look at what's going on so that you can have some choices about it. And when your, your choice comes by that you feel really good, really joyful, you're ready to go out and meet the world. Then you can go do, even if it's a political thing, you can go do it joyously. But they don't do it that way. You see, all of the young kids that go, let us say to Washington DC, they go as interns, thousands of them in fact, for various ways. Uh, and and so there's, there's a, uh, it's actually just a Xerox line drawing that I actually saw more than one place when I was uh, there as a monk, I got toured around and began to see this thing show up. And what it is, is it's a a line drawing of a little pond where someone, a a caricature um, of a new recruit is standing in the middle of the pond and he's completely surrounded by alligators. And the caption is, is that, when you're up to your hips in alligators, it's hard to remember your original intention was to drain the swamp. (laughs) Now that, that happens to everybody who goes into oh i'm going to fix the world by doing this going and working for somebody's campaign going to rallies going to riots all of that kind of stuff is done out of the the, uh the point of i don't feel good because i'm thinking about that If that thing got fixed, I would feel better. Therefore, I am out here championing this politician or this movement. And what the Buddha teaches is, is that, Hey man, you're making um, decisions based upon bad feelings and your thoughts, wouldn't it be much better to realize that you can actually feel good, get all of the problems out of your mind, come to the situation in a fresh way to figure out what you want to do. This is actually going to be a benefit. See, most of our behaviors actually are born from feelings. The feelings are actually the drivers. And it, uh, it's sort of like a horse-drawn carriage and the feelings are the horses and the owner is sitting in the carriage, but he can't control it because something else is driving the horses, but he's not paying attention much to where he's going. So this analogy would be then that the feelings are blind and we we go off and do things because we think that we would feel better if those things got done. And this complete motivation on a regular basis, everybody has that. Your friend, uh, Daniel, you just says, that, yeah, your meditation is fine, but we got problems that we got to solve. Hey, man, the problems that you got to solve are between your ears. They're in your chest. Sit down and look at where your real problems are. And when you recognize that things out there, you, a lot of it, you can't change. And a lot of you don't understand that, in fact, if you started twinking with it, you, the whole thing might fall apart. Let's not let your friend go tinker with too much.
2: <laughs> well, I, I get where, where you're coming from, because, yeah, I think mm-hmm. I feel the same as you do, but at the same time, I also understand where my friend is coming from. And I, and there, right. there, there, there is some logic to it that, I can understand where he's coming from. I I totally don't feel the same way, but. Well, here's the
0: point though. You could, and so could he. The difference is, is that you can feel good and don't do it, but he can't feel good and do it. He's stuck in feeling bad. And so he has to do it. If he comes out of his bad feelings, then he might want to have the wisdom to make a better choice.
2: Uh, this is the okay corral, right? That you yeah. talked about. <laughs> yes,
0: this is yeah. exactly it. It's the okay corral. You caught me at it. Okay, so <laughs> here, here's what we're talking about with that. We always have four choices. Uh, one, two, three, four. On um on the vertical, we have the point of am I going to do it or not do it? I'm either going to do it or not do it. On the horizontal level, we have it. How do I feel about it? Do I hate it or do I like it? Now, these things are often not connected. That, in fact, we do have a choice. I can, in fact, do it and hate it. Or I can not do it and hate it. Or I can do it and everything is okay, hunky-dory. Or I can not do it and everything is okay, hunky-dory. Right, And what we're recommending is come up to this top higher level of feel good about what you're doing and then you can make wise choices about whether you're going to do it or not rather than making your choices based upon feelings. This is the teaching of the Buddha. This is the wisdom is look at what you're doing. Investigate. Investigate how you feel about it. And when you come to the con- go ahead, go ahead. Dave. I-
2: can I just write down uh, the suta uh, because I, I never remember? Uh, can you t- give me the suta number? Uh, which one are <laughs> you? Do-
0: <laughs> uh, right. the,
2: from the OK Corral.
0: The OK Corral okay is not in the suta, that's oh. Eric Burns. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair enough. <laughs> but also we can use that in the sense of generosity. We can do things begrudgingly or we could do them generously. And then we still have a choice of whether I'm going to not do it generously or do it generously. We have a choice if you can remember to wake up to have that choice. And if we can remember, then we can treat each other generously. Treat each other friendly. We don't have to agree with them. That in fact, we can make a joke of it. Turn things upside down. You don't have to agree with anybody. But one thing's for sure, and that is don't be disagreeable about it. That you can find something that we agree to and can work together on. That's generosity. And selfishness is, I gotta have it my way, my way. You can't have your way. I got it to do it my way. In that regard, that's the mindset of it's better to receive than it is to give. Which is also, uh, I got to have it my way because I don't feel good enough without getting it my way. And so it's always back to the feelings being the motivator. And so when you can use your, your feelings again... Now we're going to use the feelings as the motivator, but we got control over the feelings so we could motivate to do the way that we can do it wholesomely because we've got good control over the way that we feel. How do we gain control over the way you feel? You might ask. Anapanasati. One thought at a time, change this thought from an unwholesome thought to a wholesome thought. One thought after another, and that gives us The, uh, the skill set. Then to be able to deal with the world in a happy. Um, generous way. So begin to think about all your uh, conversations and all your communications with others. How can I give them a gift? Can I give them a smile? That's the way that we want to look. Is always looking for being generous because we've got plenty of smiles, we've got plenty of laughs. Let's share them.
1: Hello, Demarito. Um,
0: can I? <laughs> hello. Well, hello, Marcus. Oh my goodness, you're all wrapped up. You're not in it, power anymore at all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't
3: last time either. I was in uh, England last time, and now I'm in Norway. Uh, Norway.
0: Yeah, yeah. Daniel, you've got a couple of renegades here.
1: Yeah. Norway.
0: <laughs> Is that
3: Thumbs up. Uh, thumbs, thumbs down. What's that? Did you say Daniel's from Norway?
0: No, I said that the two of you are renegades. You're in Norway, and where are you, Daniel? I'm in Holland. Holland, Holland. okay. Yeah. So that's what that's what I mean.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm visiting right now, but um, um, I I don't know. I'm 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 visiting someone, um, and they're not in the best mental state, and uh, they get offended when I smile and laugh at <laughs> what's going on. You know.
0: That's because they think you're laughing and smiling at them. In order to put them down. So how can now that you know that, how can you work around that? Maybe by always laughing and smiling by pointing out something to them to take yeah, it I, off of them. I, I
3: tried that, I tried that, but it's uh. Um, it's not helping.
0: So well, one yeah. of the things that we can actually understand is, is that uh, woman or man, I don't know who it is, uh, gender wise, but um, they don't want your help. Yeah, they, true, true, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so let, okay, so y- your generosity then needs to find a way that for you to, to behave the way that they want and expect you to behave so that they can feel comfortable. And in fact, this is one of those um, psychotic rare episodes where uh, Sorry, be- uh, being being joy- huh? Yeah, so um, if if the joy doesn't doesn't work to make them comfortable, and they get upset when you get happy, I've seen that before. I'll tell you, there's a whole class of people who will do that, and that's cops. If you start laughing <laughs> when the cops are around, they'll get really unhappy. <laughs> Because it's not that they think that you're making fun of them. That's the psychosis. In the case of the cops, they know that you're laughing at them. (laughs) So the the answer then in that, Marcus, is, is to find a way to make them comfortable when they're around you. Does that make sense for you?
3: yeah yeah i've I've just come off um some stairs at monasteries and uh and quite um i i feel like right now uh it's kind of hard for me to connect with the problems people are having because they seem like quite far away and uh silly almost
0: You're being kind using the word silly. (laughs) Yeah,
3: yeah, but uh, another word for it is like, um, dispassionate, you know, I. Yeah, I'm yeah, staying, staying, try to be grounded and, uh, uh, or remaining grounded and, uh, unmovable almost. And, and when someone's sharing their problems with me, um, it's, uh, that I'm I'm not seeing it in the way that they
0: want me to see it in a way. Okay, so how can you see it in the way that they want you to see it? In the way that maybe you can add a twinge of joy that in fact I've got a little phrase that I learned long ago and that phrase is. Ain't it awful? (laughs) So whenever they say something like that, you can say. Ain't it awful? And you're commiserating with them and taking a mickey out of them at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's terrible. Ain't that awful? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I'll go back to that. That's good.
0: Andrea's because in, going... in, in a way, that's what they want to hear. They want you to agree with them. Yeah. Eric Byrne referred to this as, you know, the game playing. So recognize that they're playing a game that's got the payoff of you feeling bad and them feeling justified about how bad things are. So don't try to talk them out of how bad things are. Don't let them see the the, the brighter side of life. They're not ready for the Dhamma. And that's something that we have to, to see anyway. In fact, Daniel, you were just talking about that too. That there's a whole lot of people, they don't want our dhamma. They want to blame us for their bad feelings.
2: Well, blame me is might be a bit uh, overstating it. (laughs) (laughs) But they do want to blame something. That's
0: right. Right. Well, if you disagree with them, they will blame you. Oh. Oh, maybe. You, you just don't <laughs> understand me, oh, poor me, boo-hoo. It's all your fault. <laughs> well,
2: I haven't that experienced that yet, but maybe I'm just not aware of it.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, be wise enough so that you don't have to. Yeah. Be wise enough that you recognize that when somebody doesn't want your help, don't try to help them, yeah. but rather in a generous heart, get to give them what they need. And for most people happiness is the right key but uh Marcus has pointed out that's not always the case. Sometimes people yeah, are really yeah. out of it. <laughs> yeah. And Marcus in that regard I would recommend don't spend much time with that person.
2: Uh, in fact I just sent a, a really nice monastery that's uh in Norway. It's a Ajanta monastery. Yeah. So if you have some I time, just came,
3: um, <laughs> yeah, I just came from Aruna Nagar in um, England, and that was really nice. Oh, good. Yeah, same Ajancha uh, lineage, and things are very simple. They just have uh, two kind of formal practices uh, every day, and the rest is uh, very laid back, working and uh, just free time. Uh, you know getting to know the people there yeah sounds good yeah That's right. it's very time, nice
0: time to make friends so one yeah. last question and that is is that the person that you're talking about were they at the at the what or is this somebody right. that you met out of no. the what no no
3: okay. this is one who invited me to visit uh family
0: oh family okay
3: yeah, and they they want me to um uh kind well they they want me to um make them happy and i tried to point out that only they can make themselves happy but uh then then it got kind of this i don't want your advice
0: yeah don't give them advice just give them your happiness that's what they want is that they want you to be happy they do not want for you to teach them how to fish they want to fish Hmm. does that make sense they don't want you to teach them how to fish they don't want you to teach them how to be happy because that proves that they've been wrong all this time and that they're unhappy because they've been wrong so instead we give them what they want which is to feel right yeah that's right i know exactly how you feel you just want to be happy all the time i bet you do i do too you know and just play it that way (laughs) okay yeah Okay, Andre, you got your hand up. Go ahead. Yeah, since
4: we're on the topic, uh, I was just thinking of a situation where somebody is expecting your generosity, and you know that by giving in, well, by providing them the generosity in the way that they <laughs> want it may not be in their best interest.
0: You right. know what I mean? Yes, I hear you uh, so being for, judgmental about it. I hear you're judgmental. Well, no, it's not. not no, not wait a minute wait, a minute. wait a minute. I'm teasing you, but he, but, but that's an important point. Is, is that um, you don't want to be generous?
4: No, but say for for example, right? Hypothetical. This is a hypothetical scenario. Uh huh. Um, but when whenever I'm I'm in India right now, right? I'm in I'm in Sikkim currently. And there's a uh-huh. lot of beggars in the street. Right. And I, I give whatever change, whatever money I have. And every time I try to make um, like, a, like an eye contact and a smile and, and to have this energy, also have a little bit of that exchange as well as just the, the, the cash or whatever, right? And some of the people, um, you know, sometimes you can really connect with people. And 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 sort of have that be another thing happening, right? But other times, people are not looking for that, right? Or it can be another example in in the United States when you see uh, somebody who's openly saying something like, "Why lie? I need a beer," you know, and and you give them money, and you know they're just going to spend it on more booze, and they're not interested in also in 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 sort of. Can, you know, there's nothing you can do for that person. You can't, you can't radiate love to them, they're not receptive to it, right? Then leave me alone, give me your money, and, and go. Basically,
0: okay, so, I, I understand like, where you're coming from, I can hear that, yeah. Really, what really, really well, uh, I may be starting at the wrong end of the stick here, but what I would suggest is getting a small pouch that's full of the smallest denominational coin that they have in India. Get a big bag of coins, cheap, you know, like what, five Pisces coins, 10 Pisces coins, that kind of thing. Uh, One rupee, way too much. Get the bag of small coins and train yourself to enjoy giving those coins to people, whether they want that coin or not. Because at this level of coin, half the people don't even want it. But here you are practicing generosity, so you can take that bag of coins around and give them around to, um, uh, to people. That in fact you can but at give this them-
4: denomination. People would actually get pissed off. Pardon what? Yeah. At this denomination a lot of these people would actually get they they they'll get almost offended you know they All would right. uh, they would look but at this like what are you
0: what are you giving this to me yes okay but you're there to practice your generosity not have to put up with their ingratitude Mm, okay this is that that is a mind training for you you see you're looking on the outside and this is all about training your mind for gratitude on the inside so that you can feel good in a way you actually and this is not wrong this is actually according to the buddha though i don't want to go into it too deeply but it sounds weird and that is is that you're actually superior to those people and you have the ability to feel that way because you know it's true you're the one who's being generous here. Take credit where it's due. Become the lion. Become the one in charge. Make it a game. So it, this is a game so the, to learn to play.
4: So the idea is I'm just I'm just doing something that I know is right. I'm just doing something that I know to be generous. It doesn't matter It's got nothing to do
0: with whether it's right or not. It still has to do with how you feel about it. Okay, that sounds great. But in fact, the right or wrong is the same thing as if you're going to do it or not. And the reality is, is that rights and wrongs are a judgmental quality that throws us out of our own paradise. That was the whole story of Adam and Eve is just to stop judging your paradise and just enjoy the paradise as it is. India, I understand is a paradise that's hard for Westerners to enjoy. Especially out there on the street. Yeah, Daniel knows what I'm talking about. He'd been to India, <laughs> but it's also a paradise. Magnificent in all of its strangeness. But when you want them to feel a certain way, when you can't even control them the way that you want to feel, where's that going to bring us? The answer is, is can you actually do this little trick that I'm telling you about? Go get a whole bag full of coins, maybe every day a whole new bag full of coins. And pretty soon you might in fact get the idea that well I could put in fact I could put a 50 Pisces coin system in here rather than a 10 Pisces coin system. That in fact this is what happened with, um, I I still have a student, his name is Willie. Willie uh, was in downtown New York City on the subways and he started with 25 cents. And while he was still practicing, last time that I heard from him, he was giving coffee and donuts to some of his friends that are out there on the street. You actually can make friends with these people on the street when you start to treat them human. Start to treat them friendly. Start to have the attitude of being generous rather than the attitude of, I've got a duty here to do. I'm supposed to take care of these people and they're yucky and I don't like them. They're greedy for 10 Pisces. <laughs> so this is a system. I mean, if you're going to be an Indian, you're going to be around beggars. find a way to become a champion of it. Develop your skills. Mm-hmm. And we can tie that back into the, the idea of, of generosity. I've got some very interesting stories to tell about that kind of thing, including uh, uh, buying a bunch of cookies and all the kids came around and grabbed them and took them out of my hand. So I went back into the store and bought the whole jar of cookies It was a big one of these big glass jars and we put it down in the middle of the store and those kids from all over the place just went wild getting all of those cookies out of there. No one bothered to thank me, but we had 30 or 40 kids who were really happy that that big jar of cookies, Indian cookies, I wouldn't want to eat them myself, but those kids really love those cookies. And so that's uh, the kind of... um, I can remember that with joy. Can you look back 10 years from now to see how you treated the beggars in India as a memory with great joy? Oh wow, I really remember when that happened, when I gave a whole jar of cookies out or something like that. I'm talking about 25 gallon big, huge jars. So this is the way to begin to think about being generous. including with marcus being generous by not giving what you would expect but to give him whatever they need in order to be comfortable so sometimes we have to be on our toes with that but in all cases with this the important thing is is that when we're actually looking at the well after the welfare of another we're not being selfish at all in that moment that the whole idea is to come out of ourselves out of our own little world, and interact with the, uh, with the people out there in a friendly way. The world needs more friendship. It really, really does. Society is literally at each other's throats. And so we need to change our mind, our attitude. And the attitude is, is that I'm the winner here, that that argument that they're having is nothing to me. Yeah, Pedro, you got your hand up. Yes, uh, yes. So,
5: Damaratos, sorry, maybe a repetition question, but uh, it's uh, on point because uh, this this conversation is on point because uh, I'm I'm uh, wandering in a big city, and so, like, uh, the question is that. um, When uh, in a world where we used to, you know, like uh, get something in exchange for something, uh, basically money so that uh, every relationship comes with an interest and so basically maybe you have to, you know, you have to basically, let's say, go back home because you cannot build the bridges, that uh, bridge of humanity based on what we learn in the Dharma. So how do you build that bridge with, uh, okay. with people? So right. the people? Of-
0: I understand this. I have heard this situation before. In fact, the way that I had heard it before was the student. Um, his dad was really into Fox News and all of the hatred and all of that that went with him. And so his dad was constantly in a bad mood and he wanted to go deal with his dad in a dhamma kind of way. And he said then that he came away, uh, he, he just had to leave, he couldn't handle it. And I says, when you can't handle it, that's exactly the right thing to do, is let's take a hike, get away from it. That we only wanna deal with the things that we're going to be absolutely magnificently the winner in. Don't go into contests that you're gonna lose. So don't go into those kind of things. Or if you find that you can't win, then leave, go away. Then in fact, that's what I was um, referencing to Marcus about is don't spend much time with people who are uh, intentionally in their own minds, hard to deal with. There's also other foundational stuff within the Dhamma. Uh, in the sense that the Buddha says do not live, stay, go on bend or sleep at night in a place that is an open warfare. If there is open warfare where people are fighting with each other, get out. There's other places like a flood, disease, famine, those kind of things. They're in a famine. Monks don't need to be there. If there's not enough food, then there's certainly not going to be enough food for the monks. They need to leave what food they would have eaten there and go someplace else where there is food. Okay. So in that spirit, uh, Pedro, that's the thing to do is to, to leave, take a hike, go to the bathroom. That's a, that's a, that's a fun one. That's an easy one to do. Oh, I'll be right back. Then you go to the bathroom and you never come back. (laughs) So, yeah, make your exit. Make that the easy way out, because that actually is the easy way out. I mean, it solves every argument. If you decide that you have to argue with someone, the better thing to do is to not. Because you're not going to win the argument anyway, and neither are they. It's just a time for feeling bad. But if you walk away, you can walk away with the thought of, "Wow, I'm glad I didn't have to deal with that argument." You still have that attitude of being the winner. Let's see, Daniel, you just raised your hand.
2: Yeah, I was wondering, uh what does the Buddha say about self-defense? Like if you're in a life-threatening situation, someone's attacking you with a with a big sword. Actually, I saw this recently. I had just come out of Wat Suamok and I went to the ferry and all of a sudden I hear some screaming and there's a guy running with a blade like this towards another guy who also got a blade out of his pocket, this big. And I was, oh, I'm back in the, in the regular world. I really felt like that. But I was wondering, yeah, what, what, what does the, the Buddha say about
0: that? Well, number one, don't grab a great big blade and go towards them. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get involved. Stay out of that kind of situation. All right. Now, the likelihood of somebody taking the knife after you is highly dependent upon what you just said. And if you say something that is irritating, people might take their knives out. We've in fact given, given them a gift that they don't want. But if you're giving gifts to people and give them what they want, then they're not going to take their knives after you. They're going to take uh, their knives after the guy who won't give them what they want.
2: Well, if you, I mean, like in the second world war, uh, with a genocide, for example.
0: Yeah, I, I'm someplace else. I went to Thailand. okay (laughs) you see what i'm talking about get out of dangerous zones get out of danger zones get out of war zones yeah go for a place that's safe but but what
2: yeah this this comes back to my to my friends because like what if there is an an army that, that surrounds your house for example And they want to kill you. You
0: knew weeks ago they might surround your house. What the heck are you (laughs) doing in a house that gets surrounded by those kind of Uh, folks? Let's use some wisdom here. Let's see what's going on. You know, that happened in Russia, that when uh, the war broke out, as soon as it broke out, half a million people, they're out of town. That's the right <laughs> way to go, you you know, if, the, if Putin had that war going on the 24th of February, the 25th of February, I'm out of Russia.
2: Okay, let, let's put it this way then. Okay, you see Putin <laughs> and he wants to press the nuke button. But in order to stop him, you have to kill him. What would you do? I would so move gotta... to
0: Thailand so that let other people <laughs> worry about where he sends their nukes okay and, uh, you, you no, I understand, pick, okay you 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 get it don't deal with people who are threatening you <laughs> stay away from them let them go threaten other people all right that's part of the reason why i'm on Gopangan. it is probably the safest place in the world <laughs> Don't get great big storms here, there's no possibility of a flood. The uh, the uh, The earthquakes that were here were so many hundreds of millions of years ago that things are pretty static now. Um, this is not a nuclear target site. The sea level let it rise and in fact where it does rise is probably better off for this island, let the <laughs> tourists leave. <laughs> And so that's the that's way of thinking is let's find a safe place to live so that we can live comfortably and happily and in harmony with our environment. Why should we live in a dangerous zone? Because we were born there? Think about that. Yeah, the reason why so much dukkha is there is because people were born into it and they don't have the ability or at least they don't have the wisdom to get out of it go someplace else. But that's what yeah, the doctor yeah. really is all about, is let's go find a happy place to sit down and do nothing at all and stop having to put up with the people who were telling you to get up and fight with them with their machetes or get up and go to work for them. You know? We don't need to be around people like that. We can go find some friends to live with. I see.
2: Yeah, I get it, but I I just I un- I understand why people might think like oh, this is just cowardly or whatever.
0: <laughs> guilty? Guilty? <laughs> no, not guilty. It's just yeah, oh. I raised my hand. But the whole <laughs> point about the coward is is that um those who are afraid think that everybody's afraid that he's a coward, which means his fear is so much that he can't deal with it. To where in fact, I'm not at all afraid. I'm looking at things clearly. Dealing with things through my friends and whatnot like that, and I got no troubles. It's the ones who were afraid who were calling someone a coward. Why? Because that's what they want to do. They, they don't want to have to deal with their fear by confronting it. They want to run away. And so that's who the coward is, is one who is running away from danger. Guess what? I don't see any danger to run away from. I see a bunch of ignorant people who can't tell the difference between what's good for them and what's not. But a lot of people we can't help. But we can, in fact, give them gifts to where at least for now, for the moment, they can enjoy. Give people gifts that they can enjoy. And then we can get the benefit out of that, but we don't have to fix them because they ain't broken, Daniel. Your friend <laughs> who wants to go off and, and fight the windmills, you know, you've got a Don Coyote in your hands. <laughs> Wind him up and let him go and applaud. Yeah, that's another one. No, go get that one too, you know. Let him go. <laughs> Cause that's what he wants to hear.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what I, what I tell him like, uh, yeah, it, it's good that you want to fix things. <laughs> yeah, let him go. But don't
0: feel things. bad about it. That's what I say. Uh, when he when he starts looking at his feelings, he will recognize that he's not trying to fix the problem out there. He's trying to fix the way he feels about it. And yeah,
2: that's a good one, actually. Uh, how would he think about it if he were feeling good? Would he feel
0: still feel the same need? Yes, that's a good question. That's a, yeah. that's very Socratic. Socrates, that's a very Socratic question, yes, I would highly recommend that. What would you do if you felt good about this? Yeah, if you're all blissed out. (laughs) Yeah, if everything was hunky-dory and you didn't have any problems in the world, what problems would you go solve?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, if there were problems, but you would feel good anyway, would you still feel the need to solve them?
0: That's the kind right. of questions that will get people to look at to re- and begin to recognize that all their problems were mentally created. No. That we create all of our problems. Let's stop creating problems. And then we can deal with other people who are out creating their own problems. But we don't have to give ourselves a problem just because they gave themselves one. No. We can let people keep their problems to themselves. Yeah, I guess I care too much.
2: (laughs) I try not to. Well,
0: all we have to do is remember. Never mind. Start again. Never mind. Start again. That's exactly right. (laughs) Wow, I really messed up that one. Never mind. Start again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah okay guys well is there's um, anything else that we want to talk about today and you got something that you want to add
5: yeah i i kind of uh, had a question but i think you already answered answer this question
0: okay So I mean, this is a long
5: i mean long in the conversation at some point um when you were discussing that you don't feel good about the word and then you want to do something, but you actually want to change your feeling about it. And what I understand is maybe first you change your feeling anyways. Feel good
0: and afterwards you decide whether you
5: still want to do it or not.
0: Right. That in fact, you want to do something really badly because you feel so bad that it's not done. If you work with Anapanasati so that you begin to feel really good, You still now have the choice. Am I going to go do what I wanted to do and feel good about it? Or if I really feel good, then I can just let it go and not even bother to do it. (laughs) But we always have those choices if we're wise and remember that we've got choices. But this is the whole teaching of the Buddha is to know that we have the ability to make right noble effort. That we can change things based upon the fact that we can look and we can see we can look and we can see we don't have to trust our memory we don't have to trust the rules and the way that we were supposed to do it or any of that we can just keep looking keep examining see what things are for ourselves trust that you can see clearly trust yourself they're okay that's what we need to do is just to look investigate and then we'll make the right choices
2: this reminds me of a, a story about a guy a person who wanted to change the world it's a really famous one and then he cannot change the world so he wants to change his country and he goes all the way down Till can't, he changes change his
0: wife. can't change his yeah. wife even <laughs>
2: yeah and then when he changes himself then he's actually starts to have an impact on the world
0: ah that's an important point you see when we yeah. want something really bad all we've got to work with is bad feelings when we've gotten out of our bad feelings and have the component of wisdom now we've got additional arsenal we can go and do what needed to be done because we can see it clearly with wisdom. And we can find better avenues and better ways of doing things. Yeah, the Buddha's going to make the world a better place. Yeah, because he yeah. had a teaching that was worthwhile having. And so this is all we need to do is to spread the Dhamma, but we don't need to spread it in, in language. But spread it in the feeling of generosity. All right. So that's good. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Daverato. Thank you so much. Right.
1: Thank you,
0: Hope you enjoy yourself.
1: Thank you. Bye bye.
0: Thank you. Okay. See you bye you